Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining the Move Podcast. I'm Scotty Carlisle, your host, and today we have another special guest. I always say we have special guests because everybody that comes on the it's show special. is special, otherwise they wouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, so today <laughs> is an extra special guest. <laughs> what I said the last time, too, but extra, extra. So I got to stop. I can't continue to go three. You know, it's just going to get the whole podcast will be extra, 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 extra. <laughs> The whole concept for MOVE is M, make a difference. Oh, to offer up your time, talent, and gifts. And B, there's victory in the small things, and E, to encourage others. And so I started to MOVE. Today, we're going to talk to Madison Morales. And I have known Madison now for about seven, eight, seven years now. Sages. I think he's seven. I'm pretty <laughs> bad at that. seven or so. Yeah. So anyway, um, Madison used to work at the NICU. So when Sage was going in and, and I had a, a bunch of issues with my kid in the NICU, Madison was there to basically be a friendly face and welcome us in and help and, and we became kind of family mm -hmm. totally and so Madison has a very unique story that I wanted to share and so I asked her to be my guest and she obliged so thank you so much <laughs> Madison course. for coming on to the show I can't wait to talk about this so so can you introduce yourself so, like who are you who's Madison Morales um I am Oh, I mean, I'm 27. I'll be 28 this year, unfortunately. Um, I'm still in nursing school. I work at Kaiser Anaheim in the ER. Been there for four years now. Wow. And then I'll be done with nursing school in June, finally. Um, still live at home. What? <laughs> what's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> what? So, what do you do in the in the ER? So, I'm still a clerk. So, I'm if there's um a code or there's like any like transporting or if there's someone that's having a stroke or someone that's having an MI, which is like a heart attack, I'm the one that helps like set everything up and transporting them out and getting them to another hospital so that they can get like that all situated or if um I'm the one that answers the phone calls and makes your appointment when you go home and kind of just helps run the ER I guess like calling lab and calling like CT and MRI and getting your scans done and assigning doctors to go to your room um that's kind of what I do in the so ER. is it safe to say that the majority of the time that you're dealing with people, they're stressed out? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the ER. No one wants to be in the ER. And if you're in the ER, it's... We literally tell people, if you're going to the ER, it's minimum to two to three hours. That's just that's just what you should expect. Wow. Especially, I mean, with everything going on right now, like, it could be even longer. 
like I think the longest during the peak of everything, it was like maybe a eight hour wait. Like just it was pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's just the you go to the ER for e emergency reasons. You don't go to the ER for you either do urgent care, but I know that everything going on, like you can't really get appointments and things like that. But I mean, the emergency room is for emergency services. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I think people sometimes forget or and I mean, when you're in that kind of state, it's kind of like I just I just it's, it is an emergency. But you're like, you may think it is. But I mean. But know. compared Everyone's to the different. guy that's in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the heart attack right now, you're... Yeah. And there's definitely people when they come in and they're like, my family members, they need pain medicine. And I'm like, what are they here for? And it's like, a, like stomach pain. And then there's like, okay, well, I'm dealing with a stroke right now. Like that's, I got to go deal with that first. And then once that's finished, like I'll have your nurse go in there. Like, it's just, I don't know. Everyone thinks that they're number one. <laughs> right, right, because that is the number one problem in their life, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I remember in the NIC <clears throat> excuse me. I remember in the NICU when, you know, Sage had his seventh surgery, <laughs> you know, and it was whatever it was, yeah. a broviac where they punch a hole in his chest and mm -hmm. you know, and I'm looking at him in the post op and not knowing, you know, what's gonna happen with him. And that feeling of helplessness and mm -hmm. like holy crap. But then there would be a new set of parents that come in and their kid had to, maybe they had a little bit of jaundice and they had to be put under the bilirubin light, mm -hmm. which is just a light that shines on them and, and helps yeah. the bilirubin to help with the jaundice. Yeah. But the feeling that those parents were feeling mm -hmm. was just as bad trepidation as the feeling I was feeling with Sage with the seven, mm. seventh surgery, right? Because and what I what I realized from the NICU is it's, you know, what's the worst problem? Well, the worst problem is the one you're dealing with mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so it's just a good insight to have, even mm -hmm. though in the scope of everything that's going on, Billy Rubin Light isn't a big deal. But for them, it's it the world. Yeah. So but yeah. anyway, so you've been working with the ER for four years. And before that, you were in the NICU. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been with Kaiser since 2013. So almost seven years. Wow. Yeah. How do you like Kaiser? I mean, each Kaiser is different. Each Kaiser has like their specialty. I mean, there's some people that hate Kaiser and then there's some people that love it. I definitely think it's knowing the right doctor and knowing like, thank God I had my mom because if I didn't have my mom, I probably... I mean, some doctors are just so easy to be like, okay, we're going to give you this med. We're going to try this med and then, and then we'll see how it goes. But I mean, having my mom being a nurse and a charge nurse, it's kind of like, no, 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 we're going to do a little bit of research. We're going to look up what that med is. We're not just going to start it. Cause I mean, everything that I've been through, I probably would have been on chemo and radiation and all these other medications or whatever if I didn't uh, have my mom because they're just like, uh, and I don't know if that's just doctors in general or if that's like, um, they just want to 
give you something like yeah. and instead of doing a little bit more like all right we'll do one more test or whatever like i mean my doctor hates i mean i probably doesn't hate but like my mom's very much like we need to do a liver uh, a liver ultrasound at least once a year because that's what the like foundation said to do and my doctor's like i don't think we need to but like if you want like we'll just do it so i mean they can do it you just have to push a little bit more to kind of get the answers you want yep well <clears throat> they call it medical practice for a reason right? <laughs> yeah. it's a medical practice and some doctors are great <laughs> and some doctors suck yeah like, straight up no right? for sure even in nursing there's Good some point. nurses where i'm like well, if you're a nurse, I can be a nurse. <laughs> I'm like, or there's some things where they like do things, and I'm like, I mean, I'm in nursing school, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, like, would you do that? Like, I question it, even if I'm not like, and I'm not even a nurse yet. But like, there's just some things that you're like, hmm, like, okay, well, you're maybe good at test taking, or like, you're really good with like your hands or whatever. Like, I'm more so of a a tactile learner. So I have to show and do and those types of things. When it comes to like testing and books and things like that, I'm not the best student. Mm -hmm. I'm a C student, you know? But when it comes to like actually doing things, like I think I perform a lot better than actually like testing, which I don't know. You need both. Yes, for sure. If, if I'm in the emergency room, I would much rather have the student that can perform the function that is needed <laughs> as opposed to understand the theory of what is actually happening in the body and they can pass it on a test. Yeah. So to help people, you are having the right <laughs> skills. So don't, yeah, don't fret about that. Yeah. So let's get to the meat and potatoes <laughs> of why I asked you to be on the show. I know that you have personally dealt with some issues Less. some health <laughs> yes. yes i love see how she's laughing i love that i love that because you have the choice you could either some i like the saying some people get bitter some people get better right? yeah i mean i think you definitely get bitter before you get better <laughs> yeah but it's your choice on how long you stay yeah. there i guess yeah what happened when did you find out you got sick and how did that which Take one? me back the first time. <laughs> Which <There's>, one? <laughs> <laughs> the very first time when, when um when I so I mean I have multiple autoimmune and then I have a genetic. So um my autoimmune, I first got diagnosed with my graves or my hyperthyroid in sixth grade. So sixth grade I think you're like maybe eleven nine? No, like 11. 11? Yeah, because my son is 13 and he's in eighth grade. So, okay, yeah. So, 11 years old. Yeah. And I could, like, so they, they first diagnosed me with that because I chipped my front teeth. So, they, so, and I played basketball also. So, um, my mom noticed it and I went to a Christian school at the time. So, um, they, when I played basketball and everyone knew me, I was always in the office and I'm like that outgoing kid. So everyone knew me at the school and we had a, I was had a basketball game one day and um, 
you can't wear any jewelry. So, you know, back in the day, you wear like the puka shell, like the necklaces. And um, I was playing basketball, so I put my hair up and I had to take the necklace off. But because it was tied on, I had to cut it off. So when we cut it off and I put my hair back, my mom saw that my eyes were a lot bigger and she noticed that I had a uh, like a goiter on my neck. So I had a, I think I had a three inch band going around my whole neck. Wow. So when I put my hair back, my mom actually saw it. So when you say goiter, is that like a, it's like a, I look like a, I look like a, like a, a bullfrog, you know, when they have like their, like their throats or whatever. So that's basically what I look like. And I got really skinny. So I went from like, I mean, the females would know. I went from like a size, like probably three, like two, three to a double zero. So I got really skinny. I was wearing probably I could fit into like kids clothes. Um, And that's when my whole like testing and things like that kind of got into play because my mom was like, oh, like something is wrong. And I can literally picture and see the my parents telling me when I was sick like it was so not traumatizing but you know when you're that little and your parents are like I need to have a talk with you you're like oh shoot like (laughs) what I do and I remember we went to Blockbuster and I got watermelon pop rocks and my parents sat me on the table um in the living room and I was sitting on the coffee table I sat crisscross and I open up my Papa Rocks and I'm like eating them. And they're like, um, they're like, we need to have a talk with like a serious talk with you. And I was like, okay. It's like, what's wrong? And like, all, all that's going through my mind is like, oh, someone died. Like, like who died? And, um, and you know that something's wrong when your dad starts crying. Mm. So when your dad starts crying, you're just like, when your mom's crying, you're like, like, Okay, but you're my mom. Like, (laughs) you might be a little bit sensitive today or whatever. But when your dad starts crying and they, like, tell you, like, no, baby, like, you're really sick. And you're like, oh, like this is really serious. So um, they told me, like, I had to start taking medicine and I was going to have to take nine pills a day. So three in the morning, three in the evening and three at night. This is a little kid. Like... I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have anything. So that's when I got a cell phone. So I had like an alarm to tell me when to take my medicine. Um, I couldn't really play basketball anymore because the doctor was telling me I could literally have a heart attack walking up the stairs to my room because I was that high off the charts. Like my levels for my graves was so ridiculously high. Whoa. Um, And so... Yeah, when you tell a little kid you can't play with your friends anymore and you can't be, like, so active and whatever when I'm playing basketball and soccer and, like, I'm an active active kid kid that uh, you should know. (laughs) 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 That, um, like, when someone tells you that, you're just like, no, like, the heck? Like, that's when you start being, like, why me? Like, why did I get sick? What did I do wrong? Like, it's like, I didn't like, you just don't understand it, especially when you're that little. So that was like, 
I mean, that took a long time. And then um, that went on for years. So I thought Graves' disease had to do with your digestion. No, that's thyroid. So, I mean, everyone has a thyroid, but mine was making too much hormones. So my body was like, it had too much at the time. So, um, and I, I guess it's prevalent in men too. Men can have thyroid issues, but mainly probably women, but in women is usually older in life. So more women develop like hyperthyroid or hypothyroid um, later in life, but not as young usually as me. So hyper is that it's not producing enough. No, too much. Oh, so hyper Hyper is is too too much. much. Hypo is not enough. Got it. Yeah. And so when you got diagnosed, you got diagnosed with Graves and your thyroid at the same time? Well, the Graves, they're the same thing. So hyperthyroid and Graves disease, they're basically the same. Oh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So. Just different names. (laughs) Yeah, I, <laughs> same thing different names well hey we're all learning you know just when i thought i knew everything and i'm reminded a lot i don't know shit <laughs> and i'm okay with that you know um it's funny because a lot of people think they do know shit and those are the ones that are sorry for. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah yeah um so sixth grade now they're saying you can't walk up the stairs too fast mm-hmm. otherwise you might have a freaking heart attack yeah that is crazy i can't even imagine trying to tell like preston or whatever like sorry dude like you can't play you can't be playing with your friends as hard or you can't play football anymore or you can't do this it's like all right now what about so they're <laughs> still gonna do that, it <laughs> yeah, yeah but so they're telling you you can't do that and you're okay yes that sucks and you have that where you can't play anymore like you used to yeah but what about as far as the physical ailments that were actually happening to you? What type of symptoms were you experiencing in, when you were 11? I mean, I can't like completely remember, but I was more, I was so hyperactive. Like I could literally, and my metabolism was off the charts. Like I could probably eat as much as you could as like a little kid. Like I was just always hungry. And that's one of the things um, I like but but I get I don't know if it's that I know that you do get like lethargic so I could be like really sleepy days or whatever um and then you do get really skinny so I could eat whatever I wanted and not gain a pound a lot of people would love to have that problem (laughs) yeah 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 would you be would you feel nauseous at all or would you ever anything like that I mean I can't really remember and I yeah I don't think so. And nine pills a day. And this goes on for how long? Um, The nine pills went on for probably, I mean, if I was in sixth grade, probably till seventh, eighth grade. And they were just weaning me at that time. So they're trying to find like the right dose for you. And, um, and then they eventually, I came off my medicine. I was taking like a half a pill. And now it's like 2010, 2011, probably 2010. Um, and cause so it's, I love like how I graduated because I graduated 2012. So 2012 is I was in 12th grade. So each year it's very easy for me to be huh. like, Oh, sixth grade uh, it was 2006. Like, so 
2010, which I was in 10th grade, um, they weaned me and I finally had, they took me off my medication and I spiked back up. Like I spiked really high and they were like, all right, she needs to have radiation. So um, I had, they did everything and then I started doing, I don't remember if I started taking my medicine again, but I took radiation. You go down in the basement at Kaiser Downey and they give you, they bring out this like briefcase and they open it up and there's like foam all in it. And then there's like this little metal cylinder in there. And then they open up the cylinder and then there's more like little like foam in there. And then they pull out this pill and they like dump the pill in your hand and you're like, all right. (laughs) Okay. Like they don't even touch it. They just, and then you take the pill and then you go home and, I couldn't be around anyone or do anything for a week. So, like, no one could use the restroom that I use. I had to be locked away in my room. You were radioactive. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. For a week. So, like, my door was closed. My mom would literally, like, put my food at the door of my room, and then she'd knock, and then she'd walk away, and then I'd come out. I was in prison. Like, <laughs> I just watched TV, and I didn't go to school. I was just like, but yeah. That's what I did for a week. You know, unfortunately, there are a lot of people that can relate to that now with the whole COVID thing that's happening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, and you were in 10th grade at the time. Mm -hmm. And did, were there cell phones then or not? Yeah. So I had, at least you had that. Yeah. I had my cell phone, but like they had to be like after I was done for the week or whatever, it had to be like away from me for 48 hours or whatever because it was like I was touching it while I was radioactive so it had to be like a certain amount of time that like I couldn't touch it or whatever and they had to like clean the bathroom after to just like make sure it was like it was like a a big deal (laughs) yeah it sounds like it that's crazy I I don't remember that part of the story that's nuts yeah what uh what did that make you feel sick or no I was just like you were just just glowing everywhere you apparently (laughs) (laughs) apparently I guess you're like pee can glow I mean I never tried it but like I never turned the lights off when I went to the restroom, but I guess like that's like how radioactive it can be. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So after you took that a week later, after you're done, did it help you? I mean, I guess I probably took time, but like um, I definitely wasn't as like hungry anymore because my metabolism started to slow down and um so I wasn't like as like hyperactive and things like that. And my levels started going down. Um, I do take medicine. I've taken medicine still. I still take one pill a day and I'll have to take it for the rest of my life. Um, what medicine is that? I take levothyroxine. So I take 75 milligrams of levothyroxine every day for the last God knows how many <laughs> years. Wow. You never missed it? Mm-mm. And I take, so I have an alarm clock on my phone that I take, I mean, since I was young, um, I wake up at 7.15 every day, take my medicine, and then I either go back to bed or like I start my day. But I've woken up every day, 7.15, just to take my medicine and go on with my day. Damn. Yeah. I hope people listening to this are like, man, I'm really lucky I don't have to do that. Yeah. I mean, they probably have to do other things maybe, but. I mean, yeah, I've definitely 
But I know that if I never went through that, I wouldn't be as understanding or like really be who I am. True. So. So so you said that you have a couple autoimmune things. Mm-hmm. So 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 far I know about Graves and your mm-hmm. thyroid. Mm-hmm. What other? And then I have psoriasis, which is just like a skin, like, but that's with stress. So. All my, all, most autoimmune diseases come out by stress. They come out because your body doesn't know how, your body starts attacking itself. That's what an autoimmune disease is. It just doesn't know how to cope. So your body starts attacking itself. Um, With my graves, I got diagnosed with my graves um, when I did because my, um, my dad's dad and my great grandpa passed away within like a few weeks of each other. So they died really close together and I was oh, really man. close with both of them. So when you're that little and you have that much stress, um, it's just your body, just you just don't know how to cope. So that's why they think my graves came out because everyone's born with so many different um, defects. Your DNA is not perfect. So you're born with all these defects or whatever, um, but they never really come out until something brings them out. So like, mm. um, I don't really probably, it's probably nursing school that brought out my, yeah. <laughs> my psoriasis and, um, and my porphyria. That's probably what brought those out. Um, so I don't really exactly know when my psoriasis popped out, but that's an autoimmune and my dad's brothers and one of his brothers and sisters have uh, psoriasis. So it's, it's in Hereditary. the genes somewhere. Mm-hmm. The gene yeah. So, so, and then you mentioned porphyria. Mm-hmm. What is, what is porphyria? So I, I have, I have acute intermittent porphyria. Um, I'm like, they, this like website or whatever, they, Put it into like simple terms of what porphyria was. So it says porphyria porphyria are uh, a group of rare disorders which results from a buildup of natural chemicals that produce porphyrins. So the same way that bilirubin, which is like jaundice, is um, made, it's in the same pathway. So with the porphyria that I have, it affects my liver. So instead of Billy, instead of Billy Rubin in that pathway, it's kind of like a hourglass. Mm-hmm. So instead of um, Billy Rubin being caught in the center of that hourglass, it's porphyllobogens, which. Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it says, um, depending on the type, it can cause different intense symptoms ranging from severe abdominal pain to nausea symptoms symptom dysfunctions to blood and urine to seizures so my (laughs) there's a i mean with the porphyria that i have it can i noticed um that i have now in 2013 or 2014 is when i got diagnosed with my porphyria it took a year for them to find out that i had it and again, thank God for my mom because I would have been on radiation, chemo, because everything else that I had going on in my body at that time. Um, 
I, <laughs> um, so I, it first started because I had blood in my stool. So, um, I mean, I get, it's not normal. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, the females out there can relate to, um, when you're on your period. So when you're on your period, like, you know, there's blood in the toilet, but you're just like, okay, like whatever. Um, but when I went to the restroom this one day, it was, you couldn't see the bottom of the toilet. Like oh, wow. there was just, it was just red and it wasn't like dark red. It was like someone just got shot puddle of blood wow. red. And that was like the one day that I was like, mom, Something you should up. like come and look at this. <laughs> like, I don't like, I like, I don't know what's wrong. Um, so that happened and I was in and out of the emergency room multiple times. I had multiple scopes and pill camera studies and so many things going on. I um, was constantly, I, I mean, I didn't really eat much for a year. I lost a lot of weight. I was basically on like a liquid diet because I couldn't keep any food down. Um, so they thought that I had Crohn's disease. They thought I had lupus, but the lupus marker and the Graves marker look the same. But then they can test a little bit more for lupus. So I didn't have lupus. Um, and then uh, they did, I mean, I did probably countless tests. And, um, and they were going to diagnose me with Crohn's. And my mom was like, no, like, let's do a little bit more, like, some more studies because he was like, yeah, we're going to start her on chemo. I was, I think I was 20 or 21 at the time. Wow. And my mom was like, you're not going to start my kid, like, on chemo and radiation right now. Like, she's, like, starting her life. Like, you're not going to put her maybe not having kids one day in jeopardy. So, um, they did more tests and then um, they found that I had an ulcer in my ileum, but that ulcer went away. So I was, they were like, okay, well then it's not Crohn's. So because my mom was like, no, 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 we're not going to do this yet. Um, we're going to like hold off and we'll do more tests that thank God that she did that. Or I mean, God knows what would have, would have happened. No kidding. Um, but I was having... Also, at the time, I was having dark urine. So I went and saw a rheumatologist because I already have multiple autoimmune that I saw a rheumatologist and um, he did a 24-hour 24, a 24 urine test. And um, because my urine looked like a Coke. So when I would go to the restroom, wow. I mean, there was days like in the morning where you go to the restroom and you're like, oh, it's a little bit brassy or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, maybe I'll just drink a little bit more water today. <laughs> Um, or like whatever. And there, it happened a few times, but I was just like, whatever, like, it's not a big deal. And then there was some days where it was like in the middle of the day where I would go to the restroom and it looked like a Coke. And I was like, all right, Something mom, can you come take a look at this? <laughs> and there, she would be like, wait, like my dad would like, maybe like flush the toilet or whatever. And he'd be like, Oh, I thought you poured a Coke like in the toilet. I'm like, no, no, no. That was my urine. Like wow. that I went pee. Like that was me. And um, so 
my mom was like, so I did a 24 hour urine test and they found out that I had porphyria. And my doctor was like, I haven't ran this test. I haven't looked at this since med school. Like they just don't have, at the time before I got diagnosed, I think there was one other like older lady in the Kaiser system that had it. So there was no doctor that specialized in it. There was most doctors were like, I heard about it maybe once in med school. Wow. Um, so no one really knew about it. You, you don't <laughs> want to be the only. Like, <laughs> like not much research. Because it's so. more so in like European countries that these are more prevalent. So, hmm. I mean, I don't know if that's based on like where the equator is and stuff. Um, but yeah, there's not very many people that are here. But during that time when I was sick for the year, um, being in and out of the ER, I had severe abdominal cramping where they say that the cramping, and I've met one lady that had it, but she had it for like 20 something years before she got diagnosed. She has three boys, whatever. And, um, but she has severe neuropathy in her spine and in her hands and in her feet. So neuropathy is where like the nerve endings um, basically are dead. So it's painful, like it's mm -hmm. super painful. Um, but they say that the cramping that you get in your stomach is equivalent to pregnancy contractions. Ouch. I don't know what that feels like. I don't have a kid. I've never, period cramps, like they're kind of annoying, but like they go away. Um, the, there would be days where like, when I would have an episode, I would be like in the loft in our house, crying for hours in a ball on the ground. And the only way that the pain would go away would be like falling asleep. But like, I would, I would wake up, go throw up, lay back down, curl up in a ball, fall asleep, wake up. And I would do that for hours. How hard does it have to be to fall asleep when you're in pain? Like, like so you probably want, well, you're just exhausted. So like at that, at the point when you're just like, why you fall asleep is not because you're like, I need to go to bed, but it's like, I'm so exhausted. Like, I mean, when people give birth, like that, I mean, being in nursing school, I've seen, I've seen someone push baby out. So there's been times where like I've seen like the lady she like pushed up like was pushing and right after she like was pushing she was like out like cold like snoring so loud where you're like wow <laughs> okay interesting you were just screaming in pain and like and then you're out now so I mean that was like the time that I was like oh like I get it now <laughs> like I understand um, but that's kind of my main. Um, symptom is my like stomach cramping and the only medicine that works is sugar so I'm on a high carb high sugar diet wow so I mean I don't know how many calories in <laughs> a normal person huh. has to eat a day but my doctor my metabolic geneticist prescribes me um, and nutritionist prescribes me 300, milli 300 grams of carbs a day Got it. Your metabolic geneticist. Mm -hmm. So they basically hired him to take care of me. 
So there's only one in the whole Kaiser system. Dang. Is he out here in this area? He's in L.A. So if I need to see him or whatever, um, I have to drive out to L.A. Have you learned a lot from that guy? Or do you talk I to him much? Is there... I mean, in the beginning, I did. Um, uh, and he, like, kind of, like, explained, like, what was going on. Um, but, and that's when I was like, oh, the pathway. Because in s the simplest terms, because when you look it up, it's like, this enzyme and this enzyme is missing and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, it's well, I don't get it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I see quite a few people in the Kaiser system now for my porphyria. That's my main disease that I have. Have you ever had a seizure? No. So that's good. But I've definitely um I've definitely noticed so there's a lot of symptoms. There's like I'm sure that people will look it up. And it's like mental disturbances and that's like the last one. So anytime like I tell someone like, and they read like the last thing on there and it says mental disturbances. They're like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It doesn't say that it does, but it could. Um, but I developed, so I'm not an anxious person. Not an anxious person. I never like anything. I don't know if nursing school did that or whatever. But um, when I first got diagnosed, I literally, I had my teacher walked me over to the disability center because there would be times where I'm like taking my test and I would just look up at her and I'd just be crying because I was so anxious and like I couldn't think and I get, I was getting easily distracted and maybe I've just had my poor fear. I mean, obviously I've had it forever, but something brought it out and um, I just, didn't I didn't realize that like how much I actually needed a quiet space extra time for tests a little bit more attention and um that teacher was kind of like it's not a bad thing to ask for help like it's not and I've had a lot of nurses like even at work where I'm like I'm so stressed out and I don't understand and this and that and they're like if you need help with anything ask because when you're when you're sick, you're like, nah, I can do it myself. I don't want to ask for help because when you're already sick and then you have to ask for help, it's kind of like, dang, like I need more help from everyone. Like I want I want to be strong. Like I want to be able to do it myself. But when I mean, I don't maybe everyone's different or whatever, but um, it's it's kind of like a mental thing to like have to ask for help especially when it comes to like school stuff and you're going into a nursing career and you're like, I need a little extra time or I need like a little bit more special care when you've already needed a little special care your whole life. Um, yeah. But I mean, you live and learn through it. <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, having those situations with, um, not being able to play. And part of this podcast is, you know, looking and bringing, bringing up conversations with people that have had tough times and experiences. Mm -hmm. And what I 
have found in my own life and in a lot of other people's lives, people that have overcome some kind of adversity while they're going through it, it's, it's horrible. It's hell on earth, <laughs> you know, and nobody can know except for you because yeah. you can tell me it and I can put myself in your shoes and be like, Whoa, man, I can only imagine, but you're the only one that actually felt that, Yeah, you know what that is. And you have a choice of taking that experience and doing a judo throw and using <laughs> that his own weight yeah. to be able to throw it and yeah. and excel for yourself or you can just get pummeled by it mm-hmm. and why i wanted you on the show is because i like your judo throw you know you <laughs> you are you are taking your time and you're figuring out how you can help other people yeah and so that's that to me is that like the highest level of respect I can have for somebody, somebody that has gone through shit, but then they come out and help somebody else plant a rose. Yeah, I definitely, I think being in nursing school and like doing those types of things, like I know how it feels to be like on the other side. I know how it feels to have a parent in the emergency room being like, no, 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 no you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And you're like, oh, my God, please just sit down. Like, I just want to go home. Like, I just I don't feel good. I just want to go home. I want to get out of here. So I know how it feels to be like that little kid or I know how it feels to be even like that adult and being like, all right, my cramping in my stomach is really bad. Like, I need help. Like, I I can't do this right now. So I I just know how I know how it feels to be that patient. I mean, obviously not every patient because, but I know how it feels to not feel good and not want to ask for help and not, and like, it frustrates me because I'm very in tune with my body now, but I know that not a lot of people are, that I know a lot of people are like, they wait, maybe they don't have insurance or they don't have things like ask for help. And you're like, oh my God, you've been living with this whatever for how long and you're just now getting <laughs> like, what? like it would have been so much better if you would have gotten it figured out like years ago. Like the, so the lady that developed neuropathy, um, she developed it and I can develop it, but thank God that I found out my grave or my porphyria early um, because from the cramping, it's so intense and it's so like, it's probably why they say like, you can't have babies back to back to back because it's too much on your body. Mm. Um, but the cramping that I get, it's so painful and no one really understands. And like, I can tell like my friends or whoever or family, but like no one understands until they actually see me having an episode. Like, There's been like boyfriends or whatever where they're like, you told me like how it was, but like I didn't understand until like I actually saw it because they're they're helpless. They can't do anything. They go get me some sugar water and I drink my sugar water and and then I lay down and then I drink sugar water and I lay down and it's like a constant cycle. Wow. (laughs) But... How often do you have those? I've like brought it to my doctor's attention. The only time that I, because I make sure that I have, I drink a lot of Gatorade. I eat enough. Um, But I know that 
before I start my period, I get small ones. And if I don't get enough sleep. So sleep and eating are probably my biggest ones. Um, if I don't get enough sleep at night, I feel it the next day. And I make sure that I just drink a little bit extra Gatorade or I like have a little bit more sugar that day. Um, my family, we kind of make like a joke, I guess, um, that I'm kind of I'm a hummingbird. So because they need sugar water and my medicine is sugar, like it's sugar in water. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> The hummingbird. Madison yeah. the hummingbird. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think now sleep. So uh, we all need better sleep. I know I do. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, are there any alternative lifestyle choices like let's say conscious breathing or yoga or I mean different have you ever experimented with any of that stuff I mean I've tried I've definitely I mean especially during quarantine um it's a big quarantine was a mental game like it was definitely like especially in nursing school no one no one should have to do nursing school during quarantine or have to take a peds final Beef while riots are going on in LA. Like, <laughs> like wow. there's just, it was, I was, I'm, I was constantly in my room. I tried to work out in the garage, but it was like, you're working out at home, you're doing school at home, you're studying at home. The only time that I was able to leave was for work. And then when you go to work, it's like you're wearing a mask all day and you're wearing goggles all day. And you're like, all right. I, like, I would literally, during that time, like, just go sit in my car just to feel a little bit normalcy. Like, I'm just going to go sit in the car and like, you know, and be normal. Like, like that was like the most normal thing that you probably could do. Um, but I definitely felt like it definitely messed with my anxiety. I think when people talk about anxiety, I never really understood. Like, I'm like, yeah, like anxiety, like, okay. Yeah. But during that time, like, I had to ask the doctor for help. Like I was like, I need something because my anxiety, like I'm taking an exam and I literally can't focus. I can't breathe. Like I'm freaking out. Like, and, and it was definitely because of quarantine. It probably had to do with my porphyria. Um, but I just, that's, I mean, I, you can't be scared to ask for help, especially during this crazy time mm. that we live in <laughs> that's i'm just but going to... to the gym when the gym started opening i was like i'm going like i need it my mom it was a constant argument <laughs> but i was like i need it i need to be I, i'll go for a walk i'll go like i if the gym was too crazy i was like okay i won't go to the gym i'll go for a walk outside or whatever have you ever tried conscious breathing exercises? I definitely, because, so I have a team of people for my porphyria. I have like social work. I have a, like a nutritionist. I have like, so like the social worker would come in and she'd be like, oh, like, uh, here's a list of websites that you can go to and apps and blah, blah, blah. Um, but one of my, nursing teacher well like one of my instructors for clinical 
um, before we would go on the floor, we would do guided meditation. So we would all just sit there. She would turn it on. And like, it was the coolest like thing. Like I really enjoyed the guided meditation because it meditation's hard. Like (laughs) trying to like, just like get into like the mindset of being like, okay, like not think about anything when you're like, all right, well, I have this test and I have to go grocery shopping and I need to, maybe I should take the dog out. Like, like there's just, oh, the door's squeaking. Like there's just like everything goes on. But when you're doing guided meditation, like they kind of get you into that mindset and then like bring you through the whole thing, through the whole meditation. So I definitely did guided meditation and I know that that definitely helps. But it's, I guess, just doing it. Yeah. It's the accountability. <laughs> Man, I can relate. I think most people listening to this can relate to that. Yeah. Just, you just got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I want to do it more often. And they say if you're too busy to meditate, that means you probably need it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, breathing. So I went down this rabbit hole of doing conscious breathing and mm-hmm. also moving movement right so like qigong right <laughs> well you've heard of tai chi right i mean Where i've the seen people are doing movies. like all the movements and you know yeah. they they live long time and that kind of stuff you see a, you know yeah. old people doing that and you're like wow they made it they look pretty good to be their yeah. age yeah. they're like 115 years old and doing all this stuff that's tai chi um, and I've seen that before. Mm-hmm. I thought that was its own thing. So I'm diving into this stuff and I found out that Tai Chi is one of 3000. There's over 3000 Qigongs. It's called Qigong. It's a Chinese therapy, basically. So that involves. So <laughs> <laughs> well, it involves movement. So okay. you have different poses and stances and different meditations while and breathing while you're doing specific movements and these specific movements affect specific areas in your body yeah i definitely i mean when you go get a massage or whatever they're like oh these pressure points or blah blah blah, and you're like wow that affects my liver oh that affects my heart oh okay well maybe i'll push that a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's i'm just all of that is really interesting to me. So no, for sure. If, if I'm you, I'm definitely going to be like, I would definitely be playing around with all that stuff. Hmm. So the meditation sounds like it worked, but again, yeah. you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing, I'm telling myself the same damn thing. I definitely think the gym was, is my main like getaway because I know that there was times, I mean, nursing school is hard. Probably said that a lot. Um, but like, there'd be times where I'd be like, I'm just going to go to the gym. Like, and when you were at, when I'm at the gym, I'm like, I shouldn't be here. I should be studying. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. Like, and then you don't have a good workout, but you have to make like the time, especially for your mental health, for your body to be like, I need to eat. I need to drink water. Like, and definitely during all the quarantine stuff, I mean, and I was doing, the classes that I was taking were super stressful that I, I lost weight during that time because I was just like not working out, not eating really like, and my diet 
is food. Like my medicine is food and sugar. So I like, I know that during that time I was having a lot more frequent, like small episodes where I'm like, oh, my stomach's kind of cramping. Like I need a little nap or I need like a little break or whatever. But I mean, I would imagine that would induce more anxiety because if you feel something happen, then you're like, right and you're already open to anxiety so it's like a negative feedback loop it's like this is affecting that it's affecting this is and especially like if I do like so there was times when I was like getting sick a lot and I was like throwing up or whatever and I'm on a high carb high sugar diet so if I'm throwing up I'm losing those calories so it's just making my episodes worse but I like need to eat and I need to drink water but like there'd be times where I'm literally just throwing up water and I'm like <laughs> like it's just like a vicious cycle of like not feeling good <laughs> Dang, man. yeah well like I tell my daughter and all the kids good thing you're a tough kid yeah yeah they don't I've like heard that, that a anymore. lot in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that only works so much and then after yeah. that it just sucks and you just gotta handle it I guess deal yeah. with deal with crap but but you seem like you have a good outlook like talking to you you have a good attitude you are doing things that are helping yeah do you, would you say that that gives you a sense of purpose or what what do you think about a, the you know having a sense of purpose i mean i definitely think and i tell my family or whoever i like i think the biggest thing i I know God makes everything happen for a reason. Like I know that I like in nursing school, I had to retake my patho class. I know that I had to retake it because God knows that with all this quarantine stuff, like trying to, if I were to have to take, because the people that are graduating right now, they're going to be taking their NCLEX soon. Like there's no way with everything going on and like everything changing and blah, blah, that like maybe God was like, "Eh, just wait a little bit longer for you or like what I just know that definitely everything happens for a reason I went through what I had to go through no one in my family is sick my none of my parents have anything um my brother doesn't have anything I'm the only one in my family that has anything (laughs) so God knew like I I mean he knew that I could handle it, obviously, because I don't know, maybe it, my family and our life would be a lot different if my mom was sick or my brother had it. Um, I mean, God just knew I was a, I was strong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's, and you're very lucky, like your mom, her mom is a badass. <laughs> I love her mom. Thank, thank God for Marnie, um, <laughs> you know, dealing with Sage and she was a charge nurse when I had all of my situations to deal with and just a beautiful person. Like Marnie, your mom is just, she she's is definitely a leader. Oh, she's a leader. She's, she can be rigid when she needs to, and she can be soft and loving. Like she has the, she has the whole spectrum, you yeah. know? And I think, and she's, she doesn't take shit. <laughs> Right? So, so like with your stuff, that's why I don't think. Yeah, I thank God I have both my parents because my dad 
needed my mom and my mom needed my dad because without either of my dad's like the laid back and my mom's the like, no, 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 no. you're going to give me what I want. <laughs> and my dad's like, no, 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 we'll just eat it. Like, it's fine. I'll, we'll like, it's fine. My mom's like, no, you didn't order that. We're going to get the right thing. <laughs> so I think I definitely got like a happy medium between both of them. And I mean, I've learned a lot from my mom where it's like, like, if you want something, you can push a little bit and like the you can always get what you want. If you push a little bit and you and you have your your research and you have like something to back it up, like you can get the answers that you need and that you want. And then your dad's like, my dad's like, all right, we'll just do it. How has your relationship with your dad? Has it changed over time since you've been sick? Um, I think that my, I mean, I think that he's more like aware, but um, he's not as, I mean, I guess he's like involved, but he's not as involved. Like when it comes to like my medical stuff, it's mainly my mom, but she's the nurse. She, she knows the questions to ask. She knows like, my dad's like, oh, so how's this going? But, um, I mean, everyone in my household is basically gluten-free <laughs> because I'm gluten-free now. That's part of the, that's part of what I don't know if do. it's, if it's part of it, but with, um, like just not being able to eat for a year and being sick for the year that I was sick, I wasn't able to keep anything down. So we slowly integrated food back in and it was like chicken and rice and if I ate anything that had like um like gluten products like flour wheat or whatever um I would just throw it up and I couldn't keep it down so I was like okay well we just have to go more natural I mean everyone in my household is like vegetarian basically (laughs) I'm a meat and potatoes person um but I definitely like notice like a difference with like um not eating it like not eating gluten or anything like that I um I mean I am on a high carb high sugar diet so eating a lot of carbs and stuff is well I when you say carbs I think of bread but bread has gluten right so I mean they have gluten they have gluten-free bread but there's like I ate a lot of rice I eat a lot of potatoes. I eat a lot of sweet potatoes. potatoes. (laughs) But there's calories and carbs and literally carrots. Like there's, it's in everything. So, I mean, it's just eating enough, I guess. (laughs) So basically 300 carbs a day. Yeah. And, but you can eat more if you want or are you limited? Okay. So you can eat, but I mean, it's hard. It's real hard to eat 300. Oh yeah. Is it? I haven't really counted all the calories. <laughs> like, so a bowl of rice, how many carbs would be in a bowl of rice? I mean, I don't know. I haven't done it in a while, but like on a good day, if I have to eat three sandwiches or whatever. So it's six pieces of bread, gluten-free bread, which is probably yay big, but it's like eating three of those. And I, you know, I'm a female. <laughs> we don't eat all day. <laughs> we eat probably twice a day. Do you, so what about protein? Does it, can you eat protein too? I mean, or? they have gluten-free protein, but like, I mean, I have a carb drink. Like I uh-huh. have like, it's like, it looks like pre-workout and you just put it in water and it's just carbs. 
<laughs> just straight carbs. Yeah. Nice. I was I was watching something where they were losing weight by respiration. That was a TED talk. And hmm. carbohydrates are carbon and water, basically, and oxygen. So as you breathe anyway, oxygen is lighter than carbon, right? So yeah. when you're breathing in oxygen, it will eventually weigh less than when you breathe out carbon dioxide because okay. carbon dioxide is heavier and it's a combustion. It gets way more in depth. Huh. And listening to the TED Talk will be in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. I forgot what the guy's name is, but he talks about respiration as a combustion mechanism. So literally you're breathing in oxygen, combustion happens, mm -hmm. turns it into carbon dioxide that you breathe out. That is heavier than the, what you breathe in. So I think he was saying so drinking a Pepsi. Weight. Yeah. So literally losing weight through your respiration. So if you drink a Pepsi, it would take you an hour and a half based on his calculations of how much each weighs an hour and a half to lose the Pepsi. Ah, right. Oh, so that makes sense. chew on that for a little bit. But anyway, yeah. Ted talks. I love Ted talks. There's some interesting <laughs> stuff. You're like, what? No, but maybe he's right. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so there's a lot more stuff we can learn. <laughs> for so, sure. so you're going to be a nurse very soon. You've been working in the industry for a while, seven, seven or eight years now. I mean, I, before that in 2012 ish, I was working as a CNA. So I was working as a CNA and then 2013, I got hired with Kaiser. So then I was working as a CNA and as a clerk at Kaiser. Wow. So nine years. Yeah. It's crazy how time flies. Hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been out of high school for how long? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what is the next step for you? So you're going to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. Do you have a particular area that you want to be a nurse in? I love the ER. Like I love being in the ER and like when a code goes on or they bring in like a full code, like someone that they're bagging and like doing all that. I'm like, yeah, what am I doing? Yeah. Okay, cool. But I, but I love kids. And I did like when I took peds, I, I mean, I got an A in peds and I was like, I, it just made sense. I was like, I, my mom's like, be a NICU nurse. And I'm like, eh. like, because a lot of the, the nurses that I talk to, they're like, if you like ER, then do ER. Because if you do NICU, you're a NICU mother, baby nurse. You don't really do adults. I remember I got my, <laughs> I got my wisdom teeth out. And when I got my wisdom teeth out, it's really hard for me to come back from anesthesia. So I'm a little bit like groggy, usually for a while after. And, you know, you get your wisdom teeth out. They like lay you down on this like bench or whatever. And then they eventually come and wake you up. And you're like, okay, like I'm ready. And you like get in the wheelchair and they will you out. But I sat up and I like, I guess my eyes rolled back and I passed out. And my mom was hitting the bottom of my foot. And as a NICU nurse to stimulate babies, you hit the bottom of their foot. And they're like, no, 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 no. lift her feet above her head. Like, <laughs> because I'm passed out. And she just didn't like, I don't know if it was because I'm her kid or if she's just so used to babies that she just doesn't know how to treat <laughs> adults. Adult. And I know that like, I mean, I want to be able to be more versatile with my career. I don't want to be ever stuck. So if you do peds, I mean, you can go, there's 
18 year olds that are my size. <laughs> like, I'm like, or even your size. So I'm like, you can kind of do adults eventually if you wanted to, I guess. Got it. Yeah. So do you have any hobbies aside from work? I mean, it sounds to me like you've been, I'm like, it's just, work, 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 work. <laughs> um, study, 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 study. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done, I asked, I asked my family the other day, I was like, what are your hobbies? Cause like during this time, I'm like, I like going, like, I like being outside. I like, like doing any activity outside, but my brother's like, that's not really a hobby. Like that's what you do for your health. And I'm like, okay, Jordan, not everyone can have as many hobbies as you <laughs> or, or Scotty. Like, <laughs> and then I asked my mom, I was like, mom, like, what are your hobbies? She was like, I don't know. Like, I like shopping. I was like, it's not a hobby. It's not a hobby, mom. So, I mean, I don't really know. Like, I mean, I'm up for, I'm pretty easygoing. I don't have like one thing that I specifically do. And I don't know if that's because being in school that I'm like, school's my hobby. Right. <laughs> I'm a professional student at this point. Um, I don't know. Well, when are you supposed to graduate? In June. Oh, okay. So, Right, like in a couple months. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you don't even know. I'm like, it's super. I'm happy that we're like coming to an end, but it's also scary because it's like you're coming to an end and you're just like in the mental state where you're like, I just want to be done. And when you're in the midst of it and you're in the middle of the program, you're like, all right, like this is what I have to do. I know I have to do this. But at the end, you're like, yeah, like. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get it over with already <laughs> so you kind of just become less um diligent i guess so it's really hard to stay focused it turns into done is better than perfect yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and then now that everything's slowly opening back up everyone's like do you want to go here and you want to do this and i'm like yeah i do <laughs> i want to go get a drink <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I don't, I mean, we'll see. So, and I'm just curious about having relationships and, and having to deal with an illness. Has that affected the relationships that you've had or has it not? Like really boyfriends? Been? Yeah. Boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely think like some relationships, it made us closer and because like, like I was dating a guy when I first got diagnosed and his family, like obviously everyone at that point, you're getting diagnosed with someone. So everyone kind of gets involved and is like more like, like, what can we do and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then, I mean, nursing school, I think because I got my disease under control. I mean, boyfriends after that, it was more so like nursing school. Um I realized from my last relationship, I can't do a relationship during school. They tell you at the beginning of nursing school, they say either you'll find your like your person or whoever you're going to marry in nursing school or you'll you won't be in a relationship at the end of it. So yeah. like it's I mean, my cousin, he just graduated nursing school oh, about a year ago now. And um, he promised his girlfriend at the time, like, if you stick this out with me, like, I'll marry you at the end. And 
I mean, there was plenty of times during nursing school that he was like, I can't do this. Like she like they're constantly arguing. And like at that point, it's like. It's you're messing with my career at that point. And that's how I felt like in my last relationship where I was like, you're messing with like my future family's life. And I'm like, and I like, I, I realized that I don't know if that's getting older or if that's like me just being like, no nursing school matters or mm-hmm. um, whatever. But my, I mean, my cousin, after he graduated, um, he said, if you stick it out with me during nursing school, I'll marry you at the end. And a week after he graduated, he proposed to his girlfriend. Oh, so wow. he like, I mean, God bless her because <laughs> there's, I mean, there's countless times where, I mean, even now where my friends are like, oh, do you want to go do this? And I'm like, no, I have to study. Or like, I'm so stressed out and I'm like, just shut off from the world where I'm like, I can't talk to anyone. I can't do anything. Or with my last, my last boyfriend, um, I didn't pass the test during like at the end of um, a quarter and I was I really felt depression during that time like I've never been depressed but I was like I didn't want to talk to anyone I wanted to be by myself I didn't want to he would be like I mean but at it was towards the end of our relationship and he like was like do you want food and that was about it and I didn't really talk to him for the whole weekend and it was like okay like you really don't care. Um, but I've, and that was my last relationship. So I just like, I haven't been in a relationship for over a year. And it's like, it's nice. You don't need to, you can focus on yourself. You can focus on school. You don't have to worry about anyone else and making sure that someone else feels loved and making sure that everything is going on in their life because I, I mean, I'm like both my parents where I'm like, I want to make sure that you're okay. Like I like, which I guess that's any good relationship. You want to make sure that they feel loved and that they feel like they're being a prioritized, but like in nursing school, like, like they can't matter as much. Right. And my mom did nursing school, married with two kids. God bless her. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. I can do it. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, at least, at least you're almost done with that. And yeah, you don't have to, I mean, let's, let's face it. People are packages of issues. (laughs) (laughs) We we all have our own issues that you got to deal with. And and, eventually, yeah, they all come out eventually. (laughs) Totally. totally. Yeah. I guess it's just wanting to stick it out with that person. I guess that's the main thing. Yeah, it'll happen. If you want to deal with their problems. Right. <laughs> God bless Crystal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I feel sorry for her. Man, can you imagine all of these, you know, five kids and then just me, my hyperactivity and everything. Uh, but yeah, she's definitely a special, special lady. Yeah. Is she going to be on here? Oh, she should, she's huh? extra. She's extra special. <laughs> yeah. Ex- she's extra, 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 extra. <laughs> He would be the one where the whole podcast would be extra, 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 extra. But, you know, I'm lucky. But you, you know, you don't always find that person at first. You have to go through and, you know, you have to. Some some people are very lucky. 
and they're the oh, ones that sure. have been married for you know 87 years and we're <laughs> together in 13 and you know that kind of thing but that happens less and less frequently god again i think that there's plan and there's reasoning for everything so i think that there's someone that's there he just hasn't like they'll be either put in my life or they've already been put in my life that like they're just waste being patient yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i mean it'll happen when it happens exactly like I, my best is it an analogy or basically you can't uh you can't pull a carrot out of the ground and expect it to grow faster right mm. it grows at its own pace yeah at God's pace, <laughs> whatever you're... And if he wants it to happen, and it's funny, anytime I've ever dated a guy, um, and my mom knows too, because sh sh she'll pray it too, where if something's going wrong or, like, something's just not going right, I always start to just pray and, like, just leave it to God. And I'm like, if this person's supposed to be in my life, let them be in my life, and if they're not, take them away. So, obviously... <laughs> Obviously, God said I'm going to take him away. Okay? <laughs> wow. And so I guess that brings, that brings me to the last thing I'm going to talk about, which we've touched on it, and that's faith. Yeah. So obviously, there are a lot of different religions. I think like 4,000. Too Four, many. 4,000 religions. <laughs> that's a lot of religions. But there's a reason that that's the case. There's a reason that there are so many religions. Mm -hmm. um, but... I think that it's a, it's a personal thing and everybody has their own viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So you going through the things that you've gone through, how has faith helped you in overcoming or just giving you perspective of what's happening or your, your life? Um, I mean, I guess I kind of just, I've gotten to, I mean, when you're younger, you don't really think about it. In that kind of way, you're just like, oh, these people at church are praying for me. Um, but as I've gotten older, I'm kind of just like, whatever happens, happens. Like, if it's supposed to happen to me, like, God's got me. Like, it's it's supposed to happen. It's gonna it's gonna be planned out. It's I <laughs> I can literally sit in a car with someone and just have like a hour talk hours talk without any alcohol, without anything, and just have, like, the most absurd, like, conversations and just being like, well, like, well, if this happened and if this happened and, oh, what if this did and, oh, why does God make this happen? And, um, I mean, I just, I really think that, like, I think that you're, obviously, God, you have choices. He's not a God that's, like, you can only do this and blah, blah, blah. He's going to give you a choice. But at the, in my head and the conversations that I've had could be wrong, could be right. I don't know. But where I'm like, there's one path. In my head, I'm like, there's one path, but there's so many ways to get down that one path that there's like, because God's not a God that's going to be like, no, oh, you're only going to go this way. That it's like, it's. I'm going to give you a choice. And if you want to do it this way, you want to do the easy way or you want to do it the hard way that, um, I mean, I by no means think my path has been easy. <laughs> I've had to do a lot of like redoing classes and 
redoing whatever and relationships and blah, 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 that like maybe God was like, no, you I mean, I've definitely learned a lot from school, teachers, uh, family, boyfriends, uh, I mean, really anyone, doctors, um, just to really be like patient and everything's like in the perfect timing that like, I mean, yeah, I think um, there's definitely there's there's multiple ways to get down that one path. It's like going home from school. You can either go down Main the, Street, the one, the one that or... you've always done, or or you can try something new. But you may come back to that thing that you've always done. But at the end of the day, there's like there's one goal, and there's like that's what you're gonna get to it eventually. I, I've definitely had to learn that one during nursing school, where I'm like bawling because I didn't pass the test, or because I had to redo a class, and it's like. Well, it happened for a reason. Okay, it's okay. I'll just redo it. It's not a big deal. I, I'll just try a little harder next time. And it's like, you're just going to get up and dust your knees off and keep going. Yep. And there's going to be plenty more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. But the attitude, I think, is the, is the important thing. And, it, and the faith gives you, you know, the attitude. So appreciation. That is another huge thing on my list. I have gone through some exercises where something really bothers me about myself. Maybe it was an insecurity or maybe I was angry about something. And I do this little Jedi mind trick where it's like, whatever that is, like at its core, I look at it and I notice how it affects me Mm -hmm. bad. And then I say, thank you God for that bad, right? Whatever yeah, it is yeah. where it hurts, that's thank you God. It's opposite of what people would normally do. Mm-hmm. But, but then I have to find a place why I'm thanking God. So then I have to examine that place that is aggravating me. Like let's say jealousy, right? And then I say, thank you God for jealousy because then it makes me, notice what I find beautiful yeah so there's always that way to spin because you're not jealous of something that you're not that you don't find beautiful yeah so so I think that attitude is a very important thing but appreciation so you appreciate what you've been given or put in the midst of and that action of feeling the appreciation Mm -hmm is liberating and it gives you freedom and it gives you i mean it's like being diagnosed with my diseases i mean if i didn't go through them i i appreciate them because i have no idea what i would have done i got young i got sick at a young age um that like i wasn't much of a partier i didn't uh I've never done drugs. I've never smoked. I've never done any of those things because I know my body is all jacked up that I'm like, I know I don't want to add something into my body that I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's why this is going wrong. And maybe that's so I'm basically at this moment in control of anything that happens to my body. Like if I get another autoimmune disease or whatever, like 
maybe I'm a little too stressed. Maybe I need to learn how to, I don't know if anyone knows how to cope with stress. (laughs) (laughs) But I appreciate, I definitely appreciate and like love everything that I've gone through because maybe I wouldn't be as diligent in like, or even have my personality that I have if I didn't. I agree. <laughs> I agree. It's it's like one of my favorite quotes is Bruce Lee. And he says, don't ask for an easy life. Ask for the strength to handle a hard one. <laughs> yeah, guys, That's a great one. Yeah, it's a great one. He's got all kinds of stuff. I saw, um, I got a book called Striking Thoughts. Okay. And I thought it was like striking thoughts, like what the yeah, because you know, he was. And <laughs> what I found out that it was not; it was all his philosophy, his personal philosophy. Striking thoughts, mm. strong thoughts that strike you. And he has so many things that are so profound. I'm reading it, and I'm just journaling every. The guy was my hero when I was a kid. Now he's ten times my hero that I'm yeah. an adult because he was only thirty two. Anyway, this isn't about Bruce Lee, but I freaking love that. So, but but part of his whole thing is appreciation and is is basically having strength to overcome things and that you can overcome things and you can do whatever you put your mind to. And so I mean, I think it comes like even in the NICU, I I you see, I feel like they say like when you're in the NICU, like it can either make a couple really strong or it can break a couple, which I think that that's a lot of things in life. But I definitely think like that's your kid that like that could have either broke you and your wife or it could have made you like stronger. And I definitely like, I mean, obviously you got two other ones. (laughs) It definitely made you guys a lot stronger. I mean, just saying it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thank God for that time in at that time it was going through hell and you didn't know whether he was going to make it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, this situation. Ah! <laughs> and then we're just like, wow, we don't know what to do. We've never yeah. heard of this before. And, and, and you're really put to the test of your faith, of your humility, of your patience, of your everything in life right yeah. but that is what this podcast has derived from it was from that hard time that had made such an impression on me and if you look at the logo of move mm-hmm. it says move podcast and it spells love and then somebody's pushing and that's the m is pushing love oh so and because when we move we are pushing love mm-hmm. you love to, to be moved right yeah like you love that feeling yeah or if you move somebody else like through love it's and so but i think that you find love through adversity mm-hmm. because it makes you reflect and so that's where i want to talk to people like you and get <laughs> your story out there you yeah know, one for two reasons one porphyria Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't understand porphyria. <laughs> I mean, I still don't. <laughs> right. right. Well, maybe there's, maybe somebody will hear this podcast that has more information about porphyria yeah. and has uncovered some really cool thing that they can do that has helped their life. Yeah. And 
by some means will get to you. Or on the other side, somebody is having a whole bunch of crap that's happening to them mm -hmm. that they can't diagnose. Their doctors don't know what it is. And they hear this and they hear you and they yeah. say, well, that sounds like me. Yeah, there's some doctors where I'll they'll like talk to me or whatever and I'll be like, oh yeah, I have AIP, which is acute intermittent porphyria. And they're like, I haven't heard of that since med school. And oh, maybe like that's maybe that could be something that my patient's going through. Like, I mean, there's so many things that like, that could be that, but they just haven't heard of it in so long. And I'm like, I don't even know what made my the rheumatologist do a 24 hour urine test or just think of like dark urine and being like, oh, maybe it could be this. Like, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> lucky. lucky. Yeah. You got lucky. Or I think it's in the Hebrew language. There's no such thing as luck. It is divine intervention. They don't have a word that, oh, no, coincidence. They don't have a word for coincidence. It is divine okay. intervention. Hmm. So that's something that's, there's something to that. There's something to that. <laughs> I, I can't explain it all. I know there's something to that, though. But if you had a message for people out there that are listening, would you what what would you say to if you had a bullhorn and you could say something and it could go out as far as possible? Mm. Um <laughs> probably something along the lines of like like just keep going. Like it's gonna get better. Because everything right now is temporary. And I constantly have to remind myself that, especially like in nursing school or if I'm not feeling well or whatever, I'm like, it's going to pass. It's just temporary. Like, it's not forever. Like, nothing's forever. I mean, unless you're married, that's forever. <laughs> I would, well, even then. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> but, but like, it's just, it's all temporary. All the, the, this COVID stuff and the lockdown and nursing school and whatever. Like, it's just, it's just temporary. That's true. <laughs> keep going. It's it better. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I think this was a really good show. <laughs> I do. I think that we uncovered a lot of stuff. I think your story is interesting. And I like your attitude, and I, I think it'll be <laughs> so. Hopefully, I think. So. <laughs> but I want to thank you again for coming to the show. Well, thank you. And I guess. I mean, we can both probably talk all day. <laughs> totally, totally. That's why I'm like, mm, then we're gonna hear a beep, 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 beep again, and then all kinds of crap. So you know, I figured we could call it quits, and then yeah. we can talk later <laughs> off the off the record. But um. Because I know Crystal's here and I'm sure she wants to talk to you <laughs> and all of that too. So um, anyway, and I want to get your mom on the show um, because I want this whole thing with Sage. I want to talk to a lot of the Oh, I'm sure yeah, she'd love that. that. She said she would, but it's taken a while for me to get all of this put together. Yeah. And then the concepts. <laughs> so, but man, we're ready. And I have Casey who is freaking yeah. amazing that has helped me <laughs> so much. And so... I see a lot of good stuff for what's happening here, too. No, and for sure. I'm happy that you're part of it. Thank you. So, <laughs> but again, thank you, Madison.
thank you to whoever has tuned in to listen to the Move podcast. And it's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> so 